Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Inside Out. Today I am joined with someone who has spent their career navigating nutrition. She is an accredited dietitian who recently completed her PhD in behavioural science focusing on nutrition in childcare. She is director of Revive Nutrition Health, which she founded in 2013. This is where she shares her extensive knowledge of dietetic services such as fatigue management, weight loss and diabetes. She is also a university lecturer where she teaches nutrition and dietetics. She is a goal-orientated, driven and a successful Novocastrian from Newcastle, New South Wales, who advocates for living a balanced, wholesome lifestyle filled with nourishment both physically and mentally. Joining me today is Dr. Kirsty Seawood. Hey Chris, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. No, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you. So to start us off, can you share three of your favourite health hacks? Ah, this is a great question to start with and to be honest with you, I'm going to be honest straight up, I'm probably going to struggle to get it down to three because there's usually at least five or seven things that I preach to (laughs) clients, Um, but I'm going to do my very best to get it down to three. So my top one would have to be to have a snack handy all the time. So I'm someone myself that's always quite on the go or running between appointments or meetings and things Um, and I'm also someone that gets quite hangry if I (laughs) go too long (laughs) without food. So I encourage everyone to have something, yeah, definitely every two and a half to three hours. So having a snack candy now it can just be like a small handful of almonds for example a piece of fruit or a muesli bar just having something in your bag or in the car that you can have on the go Um, number two would have to be sleep so I'm a big advocate for sleep and this is something that I myself are prioritizing this year Um, so trying to get enough sleep each night um, so aiming for between seven to nine hours a night and then exercise, that pairs really nicely with nutrition and it helps you achieve those health goals that you're after yeah. as well. So making sure that we try and move each day, even if it's for only for 30 minutes, um, two 15-minute periods is okay, just trying to be physically active as well. Okay, awesome. So snacks, sleep and exercise. Well, we have one more. Can I throw one yeah, more in too? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Love you too. I think this one's just really important too, is surrounding yourself with positive people and those those people that kind of uplift you and and support you to achieve your goals and your dreams as well. I think that's really important. I love that. That's awesome. So diving right in um, to something to do with nutrition, there's a lot of conflicting information out there and in my opinion a lot of conflicting evidence surrounding what's right I'm someone who has woken up and done the warm lemon water thing I've done the shots of apple cider vinegar done pre-workouts espresso shots and even fresh celery juice to start my morning Kirsty, can you tell me what your morning routine looks like and what does it include that positively impacts your goals Ah, this is a good one. Um, so, and you would have known, Chris, I just spent the last month in um, Feb in Cambodia teaching, which was an amazing experience. But what that actually allowed me to do as well, I feel, was reflect on what my routine was back home. 
um, how I was connecting and my productivity during the day as well. So it was a great opportunity to reflect. Um, and I am keeping a similar routine as what I was pre- prior to overseas, but it has yep. changed a little bit. So yep. I go to the gym every morning at 5.45. Um, the coach wants us to be there right at 5.45, <laughs> so I'm, yeah, usually usually up. Up. Um, I'm usually up at 5 a.m. I'll have a glass of water and um, a banana. So it's important, I think, to eat prior to training, especially if you're training in the morning, because our muscles only store a certain amount of glycogen to use as fuel. Okay. Um, so we want to make sure we get some fast-acting carbohydrates in in the morning before okay. we train. Yep. I always prep my gym clothes and my trainers the night before so that they're there ready to go and that's one less decision that I have to make in that's the morning. That's just a great habit to have, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's such a good habit. Every decision you have to make um, to get to a destination or a goal, um, it just makes it that one step harder. Yeah. So I think getting it ready the night before definitely helps there. Yeah. Um, and then I always, after the gym, typically like um, have coffee with my girlfriends and catch up to so see where everyone's at, um, what's our day looking like. Now, previous to Cambodia, I was spending quite a bit of time at coffee and that's something that I'm not going to remove because I really think it's important to include doing the things that we love and, and I think catching up with my girlfriends is important for me socially. Yeah, um, being but social it, and just surrounding yourself with like-minded people yeah, is so important, Yeah, with positive people. It? Checking in with friends, seeing where they're at, do they need your support, how can they support you? I think it's really good to feel connected to your friends yeah. and by seeing them each morning, that's something that I do. So I'm not going to cut that out. I'm just going to cut it down a little bit, try and get to work a little into the office or the home office a little bit earlier. Um, the first thing I do when I get into work is look at my goals for the day which is what I'm I'm setting these goals um, when I finish each workday ready for the next day ahead yeah. as well okay yeah. awesome that's a really really cool routine that you've got um, my next question is surrounding hormones so I've really noticed that when I'm talking to friends and family about food diets and finding a healthy balance to look after ourselves that the conversation primarily with women in my life, always reverts back to the issue which is feeling hungry all the time. Yeah. What are some simple but effective options for sustainability and promoting energy, particularly in women with ongoing hormonal changes from puberty to pre and postnatal, breastfeeding to menopause? What would you suggest? Yeah, the big thing that really stands out here and it's so common among women and female client or female clients that I see is we simply just don't eat enough. We don't eat a sufficient amount of food to fuel us. Yeah. So it's really important. And the second thing that's really common is we um as women well, women tend to cut out carbohydrates, which are carbohydrates are really important because they're So you suggest not cutting out carbs? No, definitely okay. we need to be including them. They're our body's primary source of energy or its fuel. Um, so basically, if you don't have carbohydrates, I give clients or people um, about a week, even maybe three days, and you'll start to feel really irritable, tired. You won't focus as well at work, so there's lower productivity. You won't get as much out of your training sessions, which will then limit you to achieving your goals as well. So we want to be including these low GI carbohydrates consistently throughout the day in each meal and snack. So, so what types of carbohydrates would they be? So low GI carbon hunger. So our bodies are primarily made of water. So water or being dehydrated can affect our concentration, our mood mood, our appetite. Um, So simple hacks to increase your water intake could be to have a glass of water before and after each meal or have a glass of water on every hour of the clock. That's a really handy tip actually because um, I know with like my kids that they really struggle to get their water intake every day. So they go to school for the day and I have one of my stepdaughters who um, will just drink like two, three litres at ease. But the other younger stepdaughter, she goes into class and she's not allowed water bottles in class. And I think that's so that the kids aren't always going to the toilet. But she um, always will come home with a full water bottle. She's like, oh, we're not allowed in class. And just a gentle reminder of why don't you have a big sip before you go for lunch or after lunch and then before and after recess. And that would probably get her water intake up again. 
Yeah, and you can actually get some really cool water bottles on sale now as well that have the time of the day down the side of them. Yeah. Um, so you'll be drinking down to the level of the time of the day that it says it is and then you'll refill and you go back down the day. Yeah, um, wow. So there's some cool little things um, that you can do now or purchase that will help you facilitate that as well. Yeah, that would yeah. be handy Well, for adults as well, but for kids yeah, particularly. <laughs> I think even the fact of just carrying a water bottle with you is like will help you drink water too. So yes. that's always the first step that I encourage clients to do if they're not drinking enough water. Yeah, water, awesome. Cool. Well, um, my next question is um, to do with consistency. Personally, I've really, really struggled with that and I don't know a diet that I haven't tried yet. Um, Again, all of the conflicting information or evidence surrounding nutrition and my goals have created a barrier for me when making choices. An example of that for you would be I started the day off bad, so I obviously am going to consume junk for the rest of the day. Or when I was younger, I remember the that being told I could only have one banana a day. Otherwise, it's really unhealthy to have more than one banana a day. So rather than consuming a second banana in my present adult life, in a situation where I am racing out the door or I'm really, really hungry, yeah. I'll leave the banana and end up overindulging at the next meal time. Um, how can we cultivate sustainable habits to overcome those old teachings or principles of our past that have somehow been ingrained to our nutritional choices? Wow, what a what a great question! I keep saying every question's great, um, <laughs> and that's a really good insight into how our childhood. So, my PhD was in childhood obesity prevention, but yes. focused on behavioural science. But it shows that our childhood environment and um, it shapes what we're exposed to in our childhood sets us up for our dietary patterns and our food preferences for life. Yep. So, it's really important to teach kids the fundamentals and the importance of good nutrition and expose them to a variety of flavours of foods um, and healthy foods from a young age. So I'm a big advocate for having, coming back to your question now, I'm a big, a big advocate for having a healthy relationship with food. And how I see this is that 80-20, 80-20 rule. So 80% of the time eating those wholesome, nutritious foods, but then 20, 20% of the time make, knowing that you can include those, those foods that you love and enjoy. Yeah. Um, and the other thing as well is making sure you're having healthy, balanced meals. Um, so meals, help by healthy, balanced meals. I'm not someone that usually promotes calorie counting or macro counting. I think okay. that there's a very specific population that works in and that might be something we can talk about soon. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm also teach around how to portion a healthy, balanced meal and the components of a healthy, balanced meal. Mm-hmm. So a healthy, balanced meal has a, a source of low GI carbohydrates and that's what we've just touched on before. has a good source of lean protein and then half our plate coming from these free foods which are low calorie um low calorie foods um pretty much neutral calorie foods and they're all of the salads or non-starchy veggies so think greens think colors of the rainbow um and then you want to add a little bit of healthy fats to that as well like avocado olive oil or some nuts and seeds to your meals now going back to having a healthy relationship with food it also means not putting that pressure on our diets to be perfect or creating some kind of restriction to our diet so i think the pressure should to be perfect should never actually be linked to diet because I think that's a really unrealistic pressure to put on ourselves. Um, And I work with clients a lot on this because um, when they put restrictions on themselves or when we put restrictions on ourselves and we eat something that we think that we shouldn't, um, they get really caught or stuck up on that um, and can usually fall off the wagon completely and say, I'm just going to throw the towel in and give up. So like this healthy eating and this exercise isn't working, so I may as well give up. It's because we put these unrealistic expectations on our diet. So this is a perfect example, Chris, for example, if you woke up at, in the morning and you told yourself that today you cannot eat chocolate, 
okay? Yeah. <laughs> so you're waking up and you're saying, today I can't have chocolate. Six so months pregnant, <laughs> that might be a bit tough. Might, like, be, yeah. <laughs> might be a bit tough. Um, but imagine if you woke up and said, okay, I can't have chocolate. So every time you go to eat something or drink something or if you've got a little bit of boredom or, um, or free time, you might be like, okay, I can't have chocolate, I can't have chocolate. I guarantee you, if it's not by 3 or 4 p.m., but probably by 8 p.m., you're going to likely be eating chocolate because you've been thinking about chocolate all day by telling yourself that you can't have it. Yeah. So it's been kind of counter counterproductive because you've been trying to restrict something but in that process you've then been thinking about it all day yeah so having these unrealistic restrictions or expectations on our diets um can kind of set us up for that failure or failure almost and you food should be for enjoyment so food is so much more than numbers um it's so much more than the calories or the nutrients it provides it's, it's for our social occasions it's for our, for our emotions as well we celebrate with food um so i think there's so much more to and the importance of having a healthy relationship with food yeah, okay, awesome. Um, so just ca- touching on what you mentioned earlier about macronutrients and that's something that you don't actually recommend to cli- clients. Can you dive a bit deeper into that and give us your per- professional, mm. um, I guess, and in hindsight, your personal opinion as well, in the pros yeah. and cons with counting macronutrients? It's sort of evolved in the last 12 months, um, calorie deficit, counting macros and things, and I just want to know a little bit more about that. So what's your professional opinion, Kirsty? Yeah, so definitely for clients that are looking to lose weight, they definitely need to be in a calorie deficit. Whether or not you macro count with them is a it depends on their um, depends on their daily lifestyle and their knowledge of macro counting counting as well. And if it suits their lifestyle, so I find as soon as you start or clients start tracking something, the more you have to concentrate on something or think about certain rules around food or what fits and what doesn't the restriction thing again. Restrictions yeah. again, it creates this unsustainable way of eating um, that you can't sustain long term so that's why I tend to focus more on education um, and setting clients up with skills to sustain them long term so building healthy meals for example Um, and by teaching them these basics on how to build these components to healthy meals it means that you can go out to restaurants or you can get takeaway foods and pick the healthiest options based on those healthy um, Based, based on those portions of creating a healthy balanced meal yeah. so as whereas when we do these things like the if it fits your macros for example yes. um, clients tend to get too fixated on a number um, and when they don't hit those number um, perfect example actually is when we try to focus too much on our weight and on the scales yes um, and I've actually done a post on this recently on my Instagram yeah. um, it's when we get fixated on hitting a certain number so for example our weight um, even if we hit jump on the scales and we, if we hit that number or if we don't see that number, we get really disheartened again and can fall off the wagon or want to stop doing things and be like, it's not working, we'll throw the towel in kind of thing. The same thing can happen with calories and macros if clients don't meet those, those targets. So rather than tracking a specific number or trying to hit a target, it's better to teach these long-term sustainable skills and have some balance as well and not put these un unrealistic restrictions on yeah does that help answer so i think calorie and macro counting does work but it's quite a specific population that um that are educated to understand what calories and macronutrients are um and then if it suits their lifestyle and their type of thinking as well to achieve their goals yeah okay um now you've also recently just spent some time overseas teaching nutrition with australian students in cambodia tell me about this experience um and what you have brought home from cambodia that you think that you might be injecting to your day-to-day yeah cambodia was actually an amazing experience and i think it's 
honestly been one of the most rewarding and humbling experiences of my career and my life to date. Like that, that's big to say, but it was actually that um, rewarding and grounding. Um, and personally, to be honest, Chris, if I had have been offered this opportunity two years ago, I probably would have said no. But now I see life more as an opportunity to learn things um, and grow. So that's why I said yes, and it was an amazing opportunity. And as you would know, Chris. Um, growing up with you um, mm. I have just been awarded my PhD recently in June yeah. so I'm congratulations <laughs> or June last year yeah so I actually am quite new to the teaching role so for me it was quite um, a new role and a new opportunity to further develop my skills um, and I think as as a dietitian I get the opportunity to teach clients but now I have the opportunity to teach our future dietitians as well which is really rewarding and getting to work so closely with these six students over the four weeks and watch them grow was um, truly um, amazing and it was a learning experience for me and them both Um, and I think the opportunity to to foster and and provide some provide my experience to give them be able to learn from my experiences and give them that education was amazing now what the Cambodian people taught me is definitely one something that stands out is resilience so um their resilience and their positive outlook on life so they've got a quite a recent history of like of um war and and battle um but their outlook on life after being confronted with that is truly amazing so they've got much more limited resources than we do here yes so it actually was a big culture shock to me coming home there was one client that really stood out and he was actually our last client so we were doing the we're working in quite remote communities so and these people they were working with in this military base had a lot of um, leg amputations or limb amputations and a lot of like shrapnel wounds from landmines or battles that they'd fought in um, due to their recent history so um, but this one this one patient and he really stood out and we asked him did he have any hobbies or things that he loved doing and even though he had this leg amputation and he'd been so quite through such hard times himself and his family he said his favorite thing to do was to dance with his wife it's amazing yeah like and so it, beautiful it just stood out because yeah. um he doesn't didn't connect his happiness or his gratitude to life um to anything materialistic it was so much more about family and happiness and love yes um which really yeah it just really stood out so they have a lot of gratitude there a lot of um positivity and a lot of resilience that's incredible yeah what a beautiful story you must have brought so much home from that trip life-changing so much um and it was actually i'll be honest a pretty big culture shock to come back to um and just even back to working with a lot of the technology and stuff we have here as well but yeah it's definitely um given me a different outlook on the way i work with clients and even myself working towards achieving goals as well and what i'm grateful for and what i'm thankful for each day yeah you really have a um, strong appetite for success where do you think that comes from Oh, that's a great, that's a good question. I think it's definitely, um, my dad's a big influence on my life. So I've always um, looked up to him. He's quite successful in his career. But I also am surrounded, like my sisters I've grown up with, they've also both got businesses themselves and they're very successful women. Um, So they they definitely have a big influence on me. So I think it's just generally uh, who I'm surrounded with. and yeah, yeah just that's yeah, want to do the cool. best I can. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, another part that you have had of your life that's been affecting your adult life actually is um, being diagnosed with endometriosis. So you were around 19 years old when you discovered that you, you had it. Can you talk to me about this journey and did nutrition play a role in your healing? Yeah, so this is, um, yeah, I was diagnosed with endometriosis when I was about 18 or 19 years old. Um, 
And it, I must say, to start with, it presents very differently for people. So there is um, quite mild to extreme cases. And I'm probably one of the lucky ones that it isn't quite as severe as others that I know. Mm. Um, but I do get like things that present for me of fatigue easily, quite heavy periods, period pain, back pain. So I have had two operations over the recent years to um, to remove it and fix it up a little bit. Did um, they have lengthy recovery times, those operations? Um, you're out, like, it depends obviously on your personal um, GP and their yeah. recommendations or your, and your surgeon as well. But I was probably out of the gym for about six weeks, um, which can be challenging mentally a little bit as well. Um, I have played around with my diet a little bit, but... Um, again, that's very. In, it's a very individual approach, and you work with clients on an individual basis um, to how diet could play a role or could not. Dietetics or dietitians work on a very evidence-based. Um, we're a very evidence-based profession, and currently there is no specific dietary diet that is recommended for endometriosis. Right. The standard advice would be. Um, general healthy eating like low GI carbohydrates a well-balanced diet including lots of whole grains fruit and veg um, healthy fats for example and eliminating like alcohol and things and are there any natural supplements in addition to your diet that you could you could add on to make yourself heal a little bit quicker or recovery times and things yeah so this is a really good question because it's this part my hormones right now I've actually come off the pill um late last year so my hormones are a little bit everywhere and I made that decision to try and um, play around with my endo was flaring up a little bit but it was also quite a stressful time of my life as well submitting my PhD and getting that all done in the earlier part of the year was very stressful Um, and endometriosis does definitely flare up during those stressful times but I have um, been seeking the advice from a naturopath so um, in my field and I myself, I practice that I am the expert or I am a expert in my field, but there are other people in their professions that are their experts. So we steer, stay in our own lane. We yeah. encourage people to stay in their own lane. Yep. So I am seeking the advice around my hormones from a naturopath at the moment um, and doing a few tonics and things to see how they go. So it's probably worth checking in. Maybe we can catch up in a few more months and see how it's going. Yeah. Um, my periods at the moment are still quite... Uh, are still quite irregular and that's something we're correcting and I'm even looking at um, it's a very holistic approach okay so looking at hormones it comes down to your diet it comes to exercise it comes to managing stress yes even comes down to your relationships so um, yeah we're we're having a play around and um, I can probably update you just a work in progress yeah Yeah. Yeah, no final answer at the moment but if there is anything I can recommend to women it's definitely to have a regular GP or a a regular um, gynecologist for example that you work with Um, GP especially because they get a good understanding of your history and especially looking at hormones like you need to understand the um a lot of history um and how your hormones have been tracking over a period of time any other um diseases or illnesses for example factor in even your lifestyle um what i've been also using is an app called flow which is free to download um on iphone i'm not sure if it's on android i believe it might be but we can check into that Um, and I've never been someone I've always been very conscious of my nutrition and my exercise um, over the years but I've never really been someone that's quite in tune with my hormones Mm. because I was on the pill for so long as well so this app allows you to log your cycle log your symptoms so like um, such as the heaviness of your period for example um, your cramping any bloating any fatigue so you get a really good insight into your period cycles plus you can also look things like your sleep your exercise any alcohol or any stress yeah um, so it's I think that's such a cool app because in today's like society I think that it's almost sheltered or thrown under mm-hmm. a rug periods and yeah. talking about hormones and for young women getting their period and having hormonal changes and for that being like a closed door or they're being shame surrounding that yeah i think that the more 
us adult women can encourage young people to open up and talk about this out loud and it not be such a touchy subject it will be so much easier for these young people growing up and and just like having that up on their phone and be like oh I'm cramping or the, you know yeah. today's I'm due or whatever like being open and vulnerable in that conversation as well and any apps like that especially this one it just does such a good job at tracking even even um your fertility for example so when you're most fertile so if you are trying to fall pregnant as okay, well wow. so just tracking this kind of information is really helpful for any health professional that then that you're seeing or consulting with um around any kind of health yeah. improvement or interventions because it gives them a really good insight into yourself plus you get to learn more about yourself as well um coming back to periods as well um and trying to rebalance your hormones a big thing that plays into that is what i've talked about already in the podcast is eating enough and including some carbohydrates as well and making sure that we're having healthy balanced meals yeah 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 awesome okay no worries so the um next question that i've got kirsty is surrounding mental health and mental wellness and food how in your experience do you find that the two relate and how do they impact our day-to-day life? Yeah, this is a big subject too and a, a great question, Chris. Um, you got all the good, <laughs> got all the good <laughs> Thank questions. Thank you. Um, I think healthy diet, there is strong evidence to show that a healthy diet does definitely improve your um, mental well-being and your mental health um, and your productivity and concentration and mood. Um, so that means like a lot of whole grains, lots of fruit and veg um, and a lot of he- those healthy fats and things like avocado, olive oil and oily fish. Um, I've definitely had some low times and some hard times, but I've also had some really high times as well, um, like good times. Yeah. Um, so the probably the, the hardest time or the most stressful time was me was probably and the good thing I can relate back to diet and mental health was around submitting my PhD so when I was submitting my PhD I had quite a number of other significant changes in my life so I was moving house for example was one of them Um, and I did definitely notice that when my nutrition was more on point when I was more organized and prepping my meals and having things ready to go um, I was definitely more focused and progressing towards achieving my day-to-day tasks and my goals Mm. especially surrounding my PhD Um, so a good diet and then exercise also played a good role in that I'm not going I'm definitely into the importance of exercising even if it's just a short walk clearing your mind getting out in the sunshine um, getting in that fresh air and getting um um, exercising just to clear the mind as well and I also want to add actually a big thing with mental health I think is our relationships and it's something I've definitely learned over the last 18 months is the people that we surround ourselves with definitely have an impact on um, our positivity our outlook on life and our progression towards achieving our goals are really important so my PhD focused on childhood obesity prevention but it was actually in behavioral science so behavioral science looks, looks at factors that support us to make positive behavior changes or what shifts someone to make a behavior change um, so they're creating we looked at creating supportive environments for behavior change to happen and relationships is one of those key components it's also looking at home your home environment your work environment are they supportive of you having healthy lifestyle changes um, even your nutrition and then intrinsic factors that motivate you or people to, to uh, make positive lifestyle changes yeah so is that something that you always talk to your clients about that receive your dietetic services Yeah, I love doing a lot of goal setting with clients and it's something we focus on on a lot. And I even like talking to clients and trying to get them to focus um, goals that aren't on their physical appearance. So not losing an X amount of weight, for for instance, or losing a certain amount of centimetres, but those kind of lifestyle goals. So being more active with your children, um, 
doing more laps of the stairs, for example, or getting um, lifting heavier weights, so outputs during training, but also connecting with more people in your life. So calling up a person each, uh, an extra person once a week to check in with them. So feeling more connected to your community. So in the kitchen environment, actually, let's touch on that because I do a lot of work. I love talking about this yeah. um, because your kitchen environment does have a does have a back a big impact on nutrition especially if um, you're encouraging clients to meal prep for example and I highly do recommend people to meal prep yeah another, <laughs> yep. another hack it definitely saves you time saves you money in the long run and definitely makes you more organized and takes the thinking out about what you're going to eat every day mm-hmm. um, but if you go back to meal prepping and look at the kitchen environment if if your kitchen if your pantry is not organized if your fridge isn't organized you haven't got the right utensils or Tupperware or your bench space is quite cluttered um, already there's resistance to meal prepping because that environment's not supportive of doing that. Mm. So your environment, so your home environment, your work environment and your relationships that surround you um, are all factors that will have an impact on you ach- achieving behaviour change or moving towards achieving your goals. Okay, that's really, really interesting and um, definitely something that a lot of people I feel would want to hear about and want to implement or inject into their day-to-day. Um, Kirsty. What is one thing that you do each day that takes care of you from the inside out? Wow, this is a good one too. (laughs) Um, And this, actually, you know what I do each day and I've only learned this about myself in the last six to 12 months is I'm someone that actually really needs um, my downtime or my me time. So time to kind of reset and reflect um, and just rebalance my energy. So I try and do this each day, even if it's only for 20 minutes. Sometimes I would like an hour, but (laughs) an hour (laughs) is not always realistic for me. I know I should be prioritising it. Um, But just taking time to think about if it's in the morning, I'll think about what I want to achieve for that day. Or if it's in the afternoon, I'll think about um, what have I achieved for that day um, or what do I and one thing that I want to learn or achieve for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really important for me just to centre myself again, to to reflect and just rebalance my energy. And something else that I've been wanting, that I've started and I want to I get better at doing this because I wouldn't, I have to be honest and say I'm not doing it daily yet, but I'm yep. trying to, yep. um, is writing down at the end of each day or before I go to sleep three things that I'm grateful for and one thing that I want to learn or achieve tomorrow. Um, and I think that's really important too. Yeah. yeah, I've been doing something similar, but it's a really tough practice to put in place. But it makes you feel so much better once you jot it all down on paper and you can look back and reflect on what you're grateful for, especially day to day. If I can get to that practice, I will join you, but it yeah. is really hard to do. It definitely is. And um, see, yeah, you said it yourself. Like um, I help clients work towards achieving their health goals, but we're all still human at the end of the day. So Mm. I myself still have goals that I'm trying to work on. And I think that's really important to know um, as well. And yeah, this this great writing three things down that I'm grateful for each day is a practice that I really want to implement myself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Kirst, I am really excited to definitely implement some of your morning routine and those health hacks into my daily habits. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I've really loved chatting with you. For anyone that's listening that's interested in dietetic services or simply want to find some new tasty recipes, jump on over to Revive Health Nutrition's Instagram, which is at underscore revive underscore nutrition or website www.revivenutritionhealth.com. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Chris.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.